0: Welcome back to the A Taste of the Coffee podcast. I'm Sean McLeod, the founder of A Taste of the Culture. You know how this podcast goes, it's all about learning more about the founders and leaders of Black-owned wine and spirits. Today, I have a friend who I've actually known for, it seems like a couple of years now, Tom Flies, um, but someone who I've come to know in this business and really great to see his success. And, he, you know, it's, it's been amazing to see him expand beyond where he started to go into other avenues in the business, in and outside of, of the spirits game. So I want to welcome Jason Armstrong to the to the podcast, the founder of Den of Thieves Whiskey, among some other brands. How's it going tonight, Jason?
1: Um, thank you for having me, brother. It's going great. Um, long time overdoing. Yeah, it seems like we've known each other for a minute now. Yeah, you know, it's it's... That's, that's what
0: happens, right? When you when you meet someone and you, you have a, a good vibe and we've done business together and it's, it's been good. So, you know, it, time flies when you have this type of situation. Exactly. So, th- thanks again for, for joining. We definitely want to give my audience an opportunity to learn more about you, Den the Thieves and, and other things that you have going on. Uh, so, you know, I, I think one of the things I always like to start with, right, is I think it takes a certain type of, of person uh, and a certain type of mentality to, to want to start and to have the confidence to start a spirits brand. Uh, so, and a word I use often is called audacity. It's, it's audacity, right? Where it's like, all right, like you that. have the... Au- yeah, it, it makes it makes sense, right? Where it's like, you have the audacity. And, you know, this is an industry that, you know, it's it's no secret. That's, that's why I the culture exists. That's why there's been all this constant conversation about it where... This is a very, it's been, a, it's, it's an industry that hasn't been inclusive, right? So Absolutely. it does take a certain type of personality and perseverance and willpower to succeed in it. Uh, so what gave you the audacity to say, hey, I, I could start a whiskey brand?
1: Um, you know, what's funny? I've been asked that question in, in a variety of ways, a few ways. Um, generally, when people meet me, they either ask me one or two questions. They either ask me, how did I start the company or the brand? And what made me think I can start the company, or the brand, or why I have audacity? Right. And my answer is gonna sound a little corny, but I was raised by a by a mother and in a family where I never thought there's anything I couldn't do. Um. Okay. So you know, when it came to when it came to starting the brand and starting the business, it wasn't like oh, you know, can I do this or what makes me think I can do this. It was, okay, you know what? This is what I want to do. How do I do this? And how do I stay ahead of the problems and the pitfalls?
0: So. not No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I, I, would, I would definitely echo that. Um, but I, I think, obviously you, you took it a step further, right? Because it's great when you have that type of environment. You're raised to believe that you can do anything. But believing you, you can do anything and actually doing it are two different things. So I will follow up and ask how you, uh, how you were able to get started. Because if I remember, you know, your background isn't in the industry, right? Which I, I've mentioned on this podcast and a lot of conversations before. A lot of people I've met that have started brands don't come from the industry. And I think that's an advantage that you have, honestly. Because you weren't beaten down by your experiences. I mean, I... You know, I I tell this story a lot. I remember being one of all, one the only black sales rep in the whole state of PA at one point mm-hmm. for the company I worked for. So it's stuff like that that kind of like you know it 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 comes a point in your life where it weighs on you, right? And it's not even about things being racist or what whatnot. It's just when you know that you're you know a representative of your whole race, whether it's intentional or not, right. it becomes a lot, right? So um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the audacity is one thing, but but how did you actually get started and, and, and get going.
1: Um the long story since we have a little bit of time is I you're right, I didn't have a background or don't have a background in the wine and spirits industry. My background was actually in the fitness and spa industry. I was originally a massage therapist and personal trainer. Okay. Uh, and my background I would say that this business was started out of necessity and failure, if yeah if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, I lived in Italy for about five five years. I owned a spa, a the gym there. You know, I was married, did the whole thing, and my marriage kind of fell apart. And I moved back to New York, and I have two beautiful children. And I needed to figure out a way to, you know, be able to afford the, be able to afford and have the flexibility to go back and forth to Italy to see them. You know, because I made a promise, that when they were young, I would never miss Christmas or birthdays. So that's three trips to Italy a year. So it was pricey. Wow. So <laughs> right, exactly. So I originally started out importing wine. I was lucky enough to meet a guy there who had a vineyard. He had a beautiful Lambrusco that I kind of fell in love with. Not really a wine drinker, you know, but I fell in love with this Lambrusco. And he asked me that I want to import into the into the United States into New York. Now I had no idea how to do it, you know, but it seemed like a good opportunity. And one of the things I learned in life is when you get an opportunity, you never say no because you don't know how to do it. Mm, I love say, that mentality. i figure it out, you know, right, so right. I, I got on the computer and you'd be amazed what you can learn on YouTube and Google. Um, I taught myself some of the basics of importing um, did a lot of research at Bronze and & Nobles, and I started importing wine. One of the wow. things that I realized in the beginning that was important was owning my own brand because distributors, I, you know a lot about the three-tier rule and all that other stuff. Yep. Uh, distributors don't own brands, and a lot of distributors, you know, you can take a brand and you can build it up, and then the brand owner would be like, thanks, see you later, and we and you hire drop. So <laughs> I didn't want to take and build a brand for somebody else and do all this legwork and all this hard work for them to say, oh, thanks for your hard work. Here's a cookie and leave. So one of the things I decided to do from the beginning was owning my own brand. So that way, no matter what happens, I was in control of my own destiny, which really became important. So I launched a brand of wine and I took a, I took a tax return, bought three pallets, Found a way to get it into the country and then just started stomping. Man. <sighs> sorry, about that Okay, good, good. So I was really just going door to door, store to store, knocking on, knocking on doors and seeing who would buy my wine. Um, that's how I got started in the industry. I learned pretty quickly that wine is kind of a difficult sell because people don't have really have, from my experience, people don't really have brand loyalty in wine that they do in spirits like you know if you have somebody who drinks a Dalmore 18 or Johnny Blue that's they drink you know
0: right I know what you mean
1: liquor store and they look for the, the most inexpensive, best tasting highest quality wine so if you drink a zinfandel you're pretty much drinking zinfandel as long as it's great and it's from your region right so, what wine you kind of make it up on volume which i didn't have the money to buy i've mm. always been a tequila drinker and a whiskey drinker i loved it i loved the spirit so i kind of got the bug of staying in the wine and spirits industry it became a passion of mine um and something i love doing so i started to look for something i can do and develop stateside and that was whiskey
0: nice so- oh that's that's I love that. I love that, and you never know where where things take you, right? And I think the big part of that is is the necessity part. Like having kids don't make you, you know, in a good way. You know, you have to make some hard decisions. So, yeah. You know, that that's that's an amazing that's an amazing story. Uh, and so I mean, and you and you learned a lot, right? Because you kind of touch all spectrums. Wine. I definitely agree with you about you know people's purchasing decisions when it comes to wine, and I mean things are changing in spirits, but. Still, every five minutes, there's a new wine brand because people are always looking to try something different in that regard. But people definitely have their favorites when it comes to mm-hmm. whiskeys and tequilas and stuff like that. So I, I definitely agree with that.
1: What social media is kind of doing with wine and a lot of um new wine brands coming out and and new spirits coming out is people are being able to tell their own story, and people yeah. are people will buy your story and support your story as long as you're true and authentic as much as they buy your spirit so you can right now develop a a new hot line of wine if you come out and you know you're in front of your story and you're telling your story it's a hard way to go but people people will rock with you if your story is good and authentic
0: yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I, you know, I think experience is even more important. And that's part of why I wanted to do this podcast, honestly. I mean, yeah. in my experience working for some of the larger suppliers, that's how we were taught to market the brands, Right. And, you know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. And, you know, I, I worked for Diageo on the agency side for, for yeah. quite a while. and You know, there is, it's what an advantage you have, right, where you have a brand like Johnny Walker or Ray. Or kettle One and Don Julio, where you literally kettle One, especially right, where the, the family is alive and they, I've met them multiple times, right. Wow. So you're able to kind of have that conversation of, and tell a story about a person and, and, and what and what they've done. Bullet, uh, as also right. So you're able to kind of use those stories of those people and talk about it, and because it, you know, some of those things could have been fabricated. Who knows? But at the end of the day it's 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 about a person captain morgan is, is a good example of the fabrication part right like <laughs> but if you look at all of those those are all you know six brands five six brands from, from the company and it's all about storytelling right and i think the same thing exactly. and that's kind of what i love about everyone i've met uh and all, all the african-american owners right because it's different right it's not like captain morgan or even don julio right, where you guys are alive and well now. You can tell your story. You can talk about your journey and and really give somebody a glimpse into why you made the brand what you did. And I think that really will help people get closer to it.
1: Yeah, listen. And that's the thing, you know, you can't you're right. You hit it right in the head. You can tell your story and people will listen. But just like people listen, you got to be careful. You know, choose your words carefully that's exactly yeah you know
0: I, I think we're at a point now and it's 2022 like people can see through the bullshit too so I think that's what gets people caught at times right but like you mentioned before it's, it's about the authenticity so as long as you're authentic I mean and again you know you're not in a position I, I doubt you're in a position to just throw money away right so it's not like you're gonna just go out there and, and do something that's not authentic for you you're putting you know yourself your name your your whole your whole self behind it so it has to be you because if it's not then it's not going to succeed
1: exactly exactly
0: so and so talking about names i was always we haven't talked about this before i was always curious uh your whiskey specifically why you named it den of thieves
1: um so i am a huge nerd number one um <laughs> nothing as- wrong with that so, yeah, you use nerd. So I, I read a lot of books and sorry and watched a lot of movies. And one of my favorite characters from the X-Men is Gambit. So I don't know if you're an X-Men, yeah. fan, you know, okay. I am, yep, yep. So you know Gambit was from the Thieves Guild in New Orleans. Ah, yep. So it was kind of a play on so it has it has two meanings. It went back to my nerd homage, you know one of my favorite characters came from a den of thieves that was you know where he came from and plus kind of throughout history um the theme the the thief coat the thieves culture has been one of the things from robin hood Robin for the rich give to the poor um to pirates pirates exactly to when i grew up you know i grew up in in the late 80s early 90s in bedstock um, I don't know if you know too much about that, but you know, that was kind of the crack era, but right. a lot of the, the local, um, let's say the local gangsters, drug dealers, whatever you want to call them, they kind of kept the neighborhood safe and as well as kept me safe and allowed me to be a nerd and go to school. They were like, you know, they kind of had a code of honor. There's like, you know, sure you're not about that life. You go to school, you do better. And right, right,
0: right. Yeah, that's I I know exactly what you
1: mean. Yeah. You know, so so it's and I, I don't I'm not not fine, you know, any of that. Even if you look back at the old mobsters, you know, you if you are a made man, you had to be walked into a dinner thief. You had to be walked into the mob. Um, and the mob took care of its own. You know, somebody got pensioned in a the bid, they took care of their family. So I'm not glorifying any of that. What I what I kind of took from that in my own way is there's a code of ethics and honor among thieves of taking care of their own.
0: Love that. Yeah. Taking
1: care of their covenant and their people. The great thing about Den of Thieves is Den of Thieves is a is inclusive. So, you know, it's about the family you gain along the way. As much as it is the family you're born into, and you take care of them, you know, family may be inconvenient, they may be a pain in the ass, you know. But when push comes to shove, you always take care of your your coven, your den, and that's that's the essence of dinner fees. And that's why I work with it. That's real,
0: that's real. I love that, and I. I love the way you explained it right because you know there's not many people that won't understand that because it's, it's relatable in it's, it's so many ways right and then also I, I think what makes it even more cool is it's a whiskey right so like you mentioned before whiskey is, is one of those brands that people just have a closeness to probably more than any other spirit right like you're gonna have that favorite and you, you're bring you're literally bringing people into your identity with the brand so i, I, I love that, that that's 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 dope yeah I'm I don't know why I never asked you that before but that's, that's really that's really cool to know
1: well I'm glad you asked yeah. me here
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well and so we, we talked about the name and you did talk about whiskey right but um I guess talk to me about kind of your process there right if you, said, you know whatever whatever you're comfortable sharing whiskey obviously is a a really important spirit to america right mm-hmm. where you know bourbon especially uh it's our spirit you know quote unquote it's a, it's, it's, like it's America's
1: america.
0: yeah yeah so um what, what was your process there like obviously you didn't wake up one day and just go you know hey i got i got these barrels like how, how did that work out for you i'm sure you probably went through a few different processes
1: um honestly there was me and three of my best friends decided we were going to go on a visit the whiskey trail so okay. we went down to tennessee we went to kentucky we drunk a whole lot of whiskey and hung out you know and again this is part of my den so i've known these guys since i was 13 years old you know these, these are my my crew that i came up with and this was this was when i was kind of struggling about what to do next and it was like jay you should do a whiskey you know why don't you do that I was like, yeah, I should do a whiskey. Um, so we, I drank a lot of whiskey and I did my due diligence. I went, I visited a lot of distilleries. Um, I tasted a lot of whiskey until I found one that was really, not only did they have a great product, they were great people and they really were willing to work with it. One of the things about being a small brand is a lot of times you don't have a large cache of money where you can meet all these brand, all these bottling minimums and all these things that these people ask for. Right. And it's prohibitive. That's what kills a lot of brands, you know. it. My mother used to say it's suspensive to be poor. And especially mm, in that's business. That's real. Yeah. You know, if, if you can't meet these minimums or you can't meet their requirements, then you can't do business. Um. So these guys, the guys I went with had a great product and they were really passionate about my product and seeing my product succeed. And they saw my passion and they they matched it and they came in with it. So that's one of the reasons why I uh, went with the distillery that I went with. I went down there, I selected my barrels, I created my formulation for my products. Um, I was there with them when they bottled the first batch and it just kind of grew from there.
0: That's a, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it, it's it's important, and it's important for you to be a part of that process throughout, uh, which I can tell you are right, and you know that that's great. That's awesome. Um, you know, and you know how I how I feel about the product, so I definitely think you should. You did you did a good job. Did the right thing. I can tell you did you do diligence. i um,
1: been a big supporter since we met, and I and I really appreciate your support. It's, it's been uh, of it's course, and helping you know grow the brand and grow awareness. Oh,
0: happy to do that. That's definitely, you know, one of my goals. Uh, I see myself at this stage as a connector, right, to kind of help people, to help brands grow and also help consumers learn about the brand. Uh, it's funny, though, because people have been telling me for years to actually start a brand. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I kind of like it where
1: i'm at now when when you're ready to start i'm more than willing to help you know i tell you to know to me there's no competition in this business there's camaraderie and collaboration this is a multi-billion dollar industry nobody can get all the money you know so and if you let if you let the fact that somebody else is already doing it stop you from doing anything you'll never do anything
0: that's true, and, and the crazy part is it's still growing too. Like I think that's what people forget. It's like still the, growing. the business has been growing every year, even during. Well, and I have you know I have a lot of theories. Uh, you know I, I'm one of those people. I, I I wholeheartedly think the depression ended because prohibition ended, right? So
1: mm-hmm.
0: spirits have been growing probably every year since then. Like I don't you know I don't I haven't looked at any data that goes back that far, but at least for the past what five six years, every year the industry grows. Right? So, you know, and there, a, there's plenty of room for everybody.
1: And a different section, Pops. Like, I don't know if you remember before, like maybe 10 years ago, there was a big gin boom. There was all these gin, micro gin producers coming out, you know?
0: Yep, yep, and yep.
1: Then whiskey came back and, and exploded. And now tequila is getting hot again. Um. Now you have all these RTDs ready to drink that's coming up. So. People is creating new stuff every day. Yeah. So,
0: and so that leads to a good segue. Uh, You're you're exactly right. And one of the things that you've done that I think is really smart for your brand uh, was was flavored whiskey, right? And there's a lot of uh, it's a very polarizing topic, uh, you know. And having you know, I sold Crown Royal Apple when it first came out, so I know the power of, of flavored whiskey. And you know, I definitely. you know I I know I played a role at least in my markets of of, you know making it popular but it's proven now that flavored whiskey opened up the category right and it helped it grow even more but what what I love what you did is you have two unique flavored whiskeys that aren't like they're flavored whiskey but they're still whiskey right and that's if you know i'm sure you understand what i mean but what i mean by what i mean by that is it doesn't taste like you put some syrup in it it actually tastes like whiskey with hints of the flavors that so i'm talking about your your ginger vanilla and and your chocolate whiskey so talk to me about that process and i guess why you made that decision
1: so one of the one of the things i remember drinking with me and my crew were coming up was Bacardi oh. I don't know if you remember before we went out, we were buying 50 Yeah, I remember drinks, that. <laughs> and, and you know, pre-game and then go to the club or go wherever it was. So flavored spirits have always been a big part of industry, and you have your purists who you know poo-poo it and dismiss it. But on top of being a whiskey drinker, whiskey enthusiast and lover, I'm also a cigar smoker. So as you yeah. know, so yeah. I'm, I'm I'm a big cigar smoker. And I like to drink a high-quality product while I'm smoking my cigars. Um, And coming out into the market, I wanted something that was new and interesting and unique and that would set me me apart, but also something that, and as you know, cigar smokers are a very discerning bunch. If you come (laughs) with garbage, they will rip it apart.
0: (laughs) They pull no punches, yeah.
1: Pull no punches. So being a cigar smoker, I had to A, honor the industry that I want to grow it in, which is cigar smoking, be honor whiskey because it's it's something to be honored and revered. I didn't want a liqueur. I didn't want it to be, you know, garbage. I can't, if I can't drink it, then I can't feel comfortable standing behind it telling other people about it. So I really developed something that I could drink while I'm smoking my cigars. And so the vanilla ginger was like the easiest thing, one of the easiest things not the easiest thing but it was just a natural progression of everything i tried it was like yo i can sit through this i can have a glass of it straighter on the rocks while i'm slipping on any cigar and be and, and be perfectly happy with a high quality spirit so that's where i came up with the vanilla ginger and i always wanted to do something with chocolate i think ch- i think most people love chocolate um so developing a... But it was really hard to do chocolate because most people go with chocolate. They go the super sweet chocolatey route, and that's not... Like what a happens. Hershey
0: bar, yeah.
1: Like, yeah, exactly, like a melted Hershey bar. So I kind of went the opposite direction with something nice, robust chocolate cacao that would, again, complement a nice stick that I wanted to smoke.
0: Uh, you did a really good job. Like, Thank you. And it's, it's funny because, like, you know... Again, having worked for some of the bigger brands like Crown Royal put out vanilla, what, 20, I think 2017. So I remember that was, it was a big deal. People were like, ah, eh, but, and then put, I, you know, ginger vanilla, especially, right? And, and even chocolate, right? These are, these are flavors when you age whiskey anyway. You're going to, at least vanilla and, and chocolate, you're for sure going to get those at some point. Exactly. Depending on how long you age them, depending on what barrels it is. So it's, it's it was a natural progression. So, I mean, you, it's not like you made it like bubble gum you know it was it was, it was a natural it was a natural direction that it was going to go but you just amplified it so i, I think that's really what makes it unique and, and what makes it work so well
1: exactly you get chocolate notes and vanilla vanilla notes depending on the oakiness of the barrel and things like that so what we did we just accentuated the natural notes of the spirit um, and our base is actually a, a five year old high quality bourbon. So we took a great bourbon and just turned up the notes where we wanted to.
0: Makes sense. I can I can for sure tell. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely either one. I mean, one two step cocktails or on the rocks. It, it works for me. So I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely a fan of those. Um, so so you talked about cigars. I do want to, to bring that up. Uh, because I think You know It's, it's been interesting And I, I'm a cigar smoker Most of the audience Probably know uh, And the industry That industry Especially amongst Our community Has had Quite a resurgence mm-hmm. uh, In the last You know Four to five years And even The last two years Even more like, As soon as COVID ended People really 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 Got out there There's cigar weeks everywhere Yeah um, so, so talk to me about that Kind of You know What, what made you Decide to To kind of to, to take the step there, right? Because I think it's something that's interesting, right? And I'm noticing the bigger brands are are taking those cues as well, right? And it's when I worked for for my brands, it was something that we kind of we did it, but it wasn't something we would promote, right? And you know, I, I think it's smart for you to to take advantage of that void because. The bigger brands, tobacco is a scary business. You know, alcohol is a scary business too, but that's a whole different. <laughs> and they try to avoid it. Uh, so, so, talk to me about that and, and, and kind of how, how that's been going.
1: Well, strangely enough, one of the first cigars I used to smoke was the Maker's Mark cigar. So, Maker's Mark was the first spirit company that I remember having their own official cigar. Oh, and and
0: they have the uh the wax on it.
1: Yep. The I mean, wax on, you know. yeah, exactly. And I used to smoke Maker's Mark cigars. That was the first cigar, one of the first cigars. That was my, that was kind of my intro cigar. Um, so once I once I kind of settled into the whiskey, it kind of was just a natural occurrence to me to accompany accompany it with a cigar. You know, so I, I again did my due diligence reached out to a lot of um, cigar producers, found one that I was very happy with and did two, three custom blends and we named it Tristan Lee that we made specifically to pair with our whiskey. Um, now, I, I want to kind of say that I'm an innovator because now you see a lot of other brands like, oh, hey, well, you know, let's let's do it, a company cigar,
0: but- No, for sure, it's happening a lot. <laughs>
1: it's happening a lot now that people are kind of paying attention. But it's just a natural thing. Being a cigar smoker, understanding the power of, of the cigar smoking community. And I'm talking across across racial demographics, you know, if you just look at the socioeconomic power of the cigar smoking industry, broke people don't smoke cigars. Nope. You know, yeah. <laughs> they can't. Literally, you are setting on fire twenty dollars. And in new york a good cigar 35 dollars each time you light up you know sure, yeah that buying power that they have that they have and being in and, and being uh, being so appreciative of the nuances of smoking cigars the nuances of tasting the nuances of how cigars you know how a good spirit can enhance this cigar experience and vice versa it just kind of seemed like a perfect marriage and i got to put together and do two things i love doing anyway
0: i love that when you can take something you love and, and turn it into a business i love that
1: exactly ah uh, so
0: oh uh, great great to hear that happy to hear you've had success in both uh, so, talk to me about because you have some other things going on too. Talk to me about what else you have going on. If, you know, whatever you're comfortable sharing. I know there are secrets out there too. But, <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, I do have a line of tequila called Not Tequila <clears throat> that we just recently launched. that's, that's in is I don't want to say infancy, um, but in its growing stages. And I partnered with three other people. One is a one is a really great guy um from mexico i actually started importing the brand for him and just fell in love with it and he allowed me to purchase to become a part owner of the brand along with two really two really close friends of mine um so that's what we're doing next we want to work on an rtd because again that you know our, our whiskey especially vanilla ginger is basically an old-fashioned in a bottle you know So that's one of the things that we want to work on next. And um, hopefully, in the not-too-distant future, uh, break ground on opening our own distillery, you know, and and expand vertically.
0: No, that's great. And I'm glad you talked about that, because one of the things that is frustrating to me, right, is there is kind of a weird discussion going on. You know, people are excited, one, that there are, owners now or and we, we actually didn't talk about this right but i don't know if you mentioned when you started your brand uh when did you start dinner
1: oh boy we originally it's been kind of a dicey road because you meet some pretty shitty people in this business you know right. who kind of want to take advantage of you and, and take advantage of you and so i've had to learn a lot of lessons the hard way So I originally started in 2016, 2015, 2016. Wow. The Vanilla Ginger as just a proof of concept. Okay. So I rolled it out. Um, It did very well. I listened to like the market research and the the market response. And I came back. I pulled it off the shelf um, because I wanted to kind of revamp and retool it. I then came back to relaunch it in about 2017. And I went with a, distri- a distillery who pretty much stole $35,000 from me and shut Jeez. down Who's my product. So that wow. really kind of put me behind the eight ball. And so I kind of struggled, picked myself back up, um, found the distillery that I'm with now. Like I said, amazing people. So we officially relaunched in, 20- in 2019, like strange enough, right before COVID shut everything down um that was kind of when we officially relaunched so COVID as much as it sucked because it turned everybody into functional alcoholics and day drinkers actually <laughs> yeah. gave gave people an opportunity to try something new because people as you know people were trying everything they was like oh I'll try that um
0: why not yeah
1: so yeah. it gave people opportunity to try the spirits so I I will say that our official relaunch date launch date was 2019
0: Okay, but but I'm glad you broke down the process, right? Because I think people are so spoiled when it comes to this industry, right? You have all these huge brands that have been around for 100, 200, 300 years. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not, you you can't just roll out of bed and have a distillery and have your own whiskey. Like, that's not realistic. Yes. I, I think that's why I like to have these conversations, right? Because people are like, oh, you know, it's black owned, but they own the distillery. And it's like, you know how hard that is? Ancillary is like this is the other part of the business that we're that we're really not in that really has to change if we're actually going to continue to to progress in it right because it's one thing to own a brand like and I've had a lot of discussions with people you know back when being a brand ambassador was a thing right and that's that's one part everything has its place right like I'm not I'm not here to shit on any part of it because I I was that person and I think it's important absolutely it takes time it takes. Successes and failures to get to the point where you're going to actually have a distillery and distill your own product—it just yeah. doesn't happen. And you—you you, you said you your first proof of concept was in 2015, right? So it's almost eight years, <laughs> and so so it, it, it takes time. It takes time. It takes. You have to learn. Like, and if if you don't get those opportunities to learn, then you'll never get there. And I I think that's the the, the big part I love to I, I want to highlight because I think you know it, people take that for granted
1: one of the things that people a lot of and you'll see this in a lot of different industries people are like oh they just popped and showed over came up overnight and it's like no you just found overnight this person has been grinding for 10 years it's not overnight. exactly said so exactly. this, this has been you know i've been grinding and struggling and taking my lumps you said for eight years now and if i include the wine for about 10 years Joe, so this wow. has not been an overnight success and you're right the distillery portion to break ground on a decent distillery, it's about two million dollars. Exactly. And there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. I I happen to be one of those people that when I get into something, I really get into it and want to learn every facet of it. So I actually volunteered to intern at a distillery in New York that was fortunate enough to allow me to come in and worked there like i volunteered my time and worked there and all i wanted to do was learn the engine out of a distillery
0: you know Love that. Love so, that. how else do you do it
1: right exactly so i went in and i i saw how to make a mash and how to you know um boil it down and how to actually distilling process works and osmosis and bottling and i was i was blown away about the, ma- the science behind it that a lot of people that a lot of people don't really pay attention to. There's a lot of math and science behind it, you know? Oh, it's it's chemistry. chemistry. (laughs) Exactly. It's it's high chemistry. You can blow yourself up, mess around.
0: Swear. You really can. So
1: and and the one like you said, you have these distilleries that's been open for 100 200 years. You can't just come out of the gate and be like, you know what? I'm gonna open a distillery tomorrow. So one of the things that we don't control, and I would love to see us start to control, is expand vertically and have our own distilleries and, and have our own production, you know, and that's why that's kind of my next step.
0: No, I, I love it. I, I think it's definitely a natural progression. I think you're, you're going about it the right way, right? Where, say, you did have the capital to open a distillery, but you didn't do all the other due diligence or you didn't have a brand that was established, that's the other pitfall that happens, right? Where you, you, you move too fast and then you have a distillery with, with with something that can't sell, right? So there there is like a, a balance that you have to have.
1: And um, to this way, you know, unless you got a time or somebody got a time machine that I don't know <laughs> about, to get five-year-old whiskey-
0: I was about to say that, exactly.
1: And wait for whiskey to age five years. So even if you open this coming up today, you know, you won't have five-year-old whiskey until five years, what you gonna do for that? What you gonna do until then?
0: Exactly, and, so, and people forget that. People forget that. Nobody, nobody wants to drink one-year-old whiskey. So, gotta... <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> so yeah. that—that's the things that people don't think about. But no, that's—I I love that. Thank you for sharing that—that—that that, that part of your journey. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure you—you've heard it, but you know, and I and I've said it to you before, but you know, hey, congratulations for where you are now. I know you have a lot a lot more places you want to take it and obviously further you want to go but it's definitely a, a great accomplishment to be where you are already multiple brands you know all over the country at, at this point you know depending on which one but and, and those plans as well so that's definitely amazing Uh and you know to be at it for so long for someone who you know I'm sure you didn't wake up and, and think you know obviously you made that decision but this is not where you expected to be so definitely impressive
1: thank you brother I appreciate that thank you
0: and, and speaking of, of the journey, so one of the things I like to ask, right? I, I never want these these conversations to be all negative, right? We talked about some challenges already. Would love to talk about what what you think some of your uh biggest successes have been thus far with, with any of your brands.
1: Um, honestly speaking, my business my business biggest success was taking this from an idea I had in my head to hold up, I'm sorry talking about taking this from something taking this from an idea my I had in my head to something tangible that I can hold in my hand and put on a shelf you know I said it and I I love success I want to be rich never want to be famous but if nothing ever came of it and I just saw it on one shelf I would be proud of what I've done and I would see it as a success um so that I think that's my business business success other than that, I get to I get to work in something that I love doing. You know, a lot of people can't say that. As hard as it is, the days I don't feel like talking to people or I don't feel like doing all the paperwork and minutiae and all that other stuff, I have to sit back and realize that this is something I chose to do and this is something I love doing. And I get to do that. I get to smoke my own cigars and drink my own whiskey and talk to people about it and occasionally go around and interact with people who are enjoying the same thing I'm enjoying and enjoying that shared experience.
0: It's no better. I, I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that at all. And You made me think of something else. Uh, this is definitely a discussion I always have because you know I still work a nine to five, but I also am an entrepreneur as well. I'm married. I have a three-year-old. So how do you how do you balance everything you have going on? I mean, I'm sure uh, it's not easy, obviously, to manage multiple brands, but anything else you have going on in your life?
1: Oh, you said earlier
0: you have you have children. So
1: <laughs> yeah, well, my my kids are a bit older. They're 17 and 15, um, and it it is it's difficult. You have to make time for your loved ones. Um, you have to make time for yourself. You know, like you said, I still have a I have two nine to fives and then I do this. So time management becomes important and it becomes important to realize that you can't be everywhere. So it, it really just becomes about learning how and when to say no and how and when to take that break. Unfortunately, I'm a workaholic. Um, so learning <laughs> break has been hard. My lady sometimes yells at me and like, all right, you know what? you need to stop, we need to do this, we need to do that. So having that balance to check, you know, to check kind of becomes important. Um, your wife
0: will do it for you. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so, but manage, being able to manage your time becomes crucial, you know, and not sleeping. People don't understand that a lot of people like to run around and talk about, I'm a boss, I'm a boss, I'm a boss. But if you really a boss, it's not much to brag about because you're always working. You know, your, your, your business is always on your mind. You're never off. So it's not for everybody and it's not for the faint of heart.
0: That's that's real. And the, the sleep thing is, is something that I've been figuring out. Um because it, it, it's hard, right? Like the whole no that the whole no sleep fad. Not, not that I was ever doing it purposely, but it just you know, like you said, when you when you have when you have a business, we have an idea, like it's hard to turn it off. Because I'm the type of person, like I feel like you're probably similar. You you probably I get my best ideas at like 3 a.m. Like when I'm not even thinking about it. So like it's hard to to unplug, and and, and, and you have to unplug with those times when you're with your kids, when you're with your wife, and you're doing things for yourself, but. Find finding that balance is so important. Getting I sleep was, is so important.
1: I was literally just about to say that. There's sometimes I will wake up out of a dead sleep with an idea and have to, like, grab my phone and put a note to myself on my phone to follow up with it the next morning because I can't go to sleep with this running around in my head.
0: Yep,
1: I do it all the time. Or <laughs> wake up and like, oh, shit, I forgot to do this. Let me leave a note. So, yeah, you know how it is.
0: For sure, but I mean that—that's the—that's the joy of it, right? Like you, you're doing something for yourself. You're gonna you build something out of nothing, so you get to you know, it, its its cool to be able to, to to have those ideas to be able to turn it into something like like you mentioned before um, and I see it come to life.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it it, it is cool. Like I said, it, it, it is something that I'm really proud of. It, if it's I feel like it's my third kid. You know. um <laughs> Like seeing it on the shelf is like wow, I did that. That's something that I did, and nobody can ever take away from me. So it's a it's a thing of, a, a point of pride.
0: No, uh, it, it should be, man. Again, definitely uh, definitely proud of what I've seen so far from from you, and I'm excited for what what's going to happen in the future. Um, this it's it's been a crazy quick 45 minutes that we've been we've been having this conversation. So. We try to keep it around this time. Uh, we, we'd love to, to have you share anything else you have going on. Also, I heard you mention about an RTD, anything else you're looking to share about the business uh, for the rest of 2022 or beyond?
1: Um, just look out for us at, we're, we're gonna be doing a bunch of trade shows and Cigar Weeks. Um, um, just follow us on social media, dinner thieves underscore Whiskey, and keep a lookout for announcements.
0: Awesome to hear that. I definitely have to mention, our collaboration that we've had. Um if yes. you've had with the Taste of the Culture. Uh it's been great again as a cigar smoker, uh and obviously a, a whiskey drinker and advocate. It was cool for me to to put that together with what my other business, uh where I sell cigar cases and, and create that special box. Um and you know that's been great and it's been cool to kinda expose people to something a, a, something different right and it's something that i didn't see on the market and that's really what i'm trying to do in and in anything i do business-wise is to do something totally different and it's something i haven't seen uh to put those three things together cigars uh luxury cigar case and whiskey together as a package um so i definitely gotta plug that
1: um included with tristan lee cigars um like i said i can't thank you enough you've been really instrumental and you you fill a space in the industry that that hasn't been been filled you know i haven't seen anybody if anybody else coming along doing it they got it from you because i haven't seen anybody else do it
0: well th- thank you and you know that that was the whole point um <laughs> and it's, it's good i mean i i definitely have seen improvement since I started. But you are right. I mean there there isn't anything thankfully. You know, and that's I mean that's what business is about though. I'm sure things will come up. I have seen some stuff out there. but you have a good idea, as you know, people are going to are going to follow, they're going to emulate. Uh but it's you know, like like you said before, there's space for every there's space for everything. There's space for everybody. Nobody's me, nobody's you, so they won't do it exactly the same way that we would. Um, so you know I, I definitely I can't be mad at it if, if there is anybody else doing it but I'm, I'm, I'm happy I, I've, I've definitely enjoyed you know the partnership and I look forward to what we can do in the future
1: oh as well do I as do I brother as do I
0: awesome well thank you again for, for your time today and, and getting a glimpse into your life and and, of Thieves and everything you have going on this was another episode of a Taste of the Culture podcast We'll talk to you next time. And remember to keep it black on.
1: Thank you, man. Thank you guys out there.